Here's what's coming up on Chapter 76 of Jeff and Julie Move to France During a Global Pandemic. A bizarre initiative to curb the amount of dog poop one village in France is experiencing. And we visit the beautiful village of Ovilar. So it appears that the whole northern hemisphere is on fire. Like, it's <laughs> so hot. Yeah. Well, we, we've been spared in, in our little area here, and, and actually... I know it's been dry, but uh, we've had enough rain that it's not, we don't have any warnings up yet. But man, it's all around us, Spain and Italy, it's all Greece. around us, Greece. But it's not just Europe. I mean, it's the, it's North America, it's China, it's... it's uh, Canada. Uh, yeah, yes, yes. So, you know, I think this is a, a sign of, of global warming, at least that's what they're, they're attributing it to. And they say um, that it's it's probably something that we're, is going to be consistent from this point forward. Well, yeah, and those forest fires just keep burning in Canada and are affecting the northern states with smoke. It's just, and and it, we're we're looking at like Death Valley the other day. I know Death Valley's always hot, but it wasn't the fifties, yeah, like fifty four or something like that. Yeah. And very common to see 40s in the States right now, all over the States. Yeah, it's dangerous. But most of North America have air conditioners. Yeah, so so this is bizarre. I keep just being dumbfounded by the lack of air conditioning in Euro- in France and in Europe. Yeah, I was watching the news the other day and they said that uh, only 10% of Europe, uh, of European homes, have air conditioning. That just staggers me. I mean, in Canada, you know, we we've obviously got to have heating, and you know, <laughs> yeah. and 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 some people here in France don't have any form of uh, whether it's a heat pump or whether it's a fossil fuel related heating system. All they would use is maybe a wood fireplace. That's also very common here. It is. It is. I think it's probably because these buildings are so old. It's kind of difficult to retrofit. You know, the heating and the conditioning. Conversely, most of the buildings in Canada are new, and that's just standard protocol now. Yeah, you can you can plan for it. So AC is standard protocol in all new buildings pretty much in Canada. Yeah. You know, even when we were at our doctor's office on Monday. No, no AC. No air. No air. Just big fans everywhere. Just big fans. Yeah, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of eerie. Like, it's almost like by our standards, because we're used to having AC, it's almost like walking back in time. Yeah, it's it, true. You know, but but you said 10% for Europe. It's only 5% for France in terms of people who have uh, air conditioning in their homes. So well, when we look at our, our, our neighbors and our friends, very few have air conditioning. No, it's true. And I mean, uh, we had it because we had an opportunity to put it in. We were completely remodeling our home. And uh, some of these new overhead units that you typically see above a door uh, with the uh, the head inside and then the actual air conditioning unit outside, they're fantastic. They, they, I know that they, they are designed to do one room, but we have a house that's uh, sort of central and we have one in the main part of the house. And yeah. it, it just it does, do, it, it does the job. It does the job. And also, I don't think it gets that warm inside of the no, older but, homes because the walls are... Yeah. 
they're stone, first of all, and they're, I don't know. Well, how many times have we gone to a, a chateau on one of our little adventures, and it's been, you know, 26, 27 outside. You go into the chateau, it's cool as a cucumber. Yes. Because yeah. of these thick walls. So I think that I think That's you're right. That's part of the part of the reason I think. that people don't go through that process. Yeah. So we're experiencing that right now. We really feel for the for the folks who are in our neighboring areas uh, dealing with some some drastic heat right now, and uh, hope hopefully it uh, abates soon. Uh, you had a. <laughs> You finally got your little glasses going there. You, well, they you... wanted some new glasses. I yeah. ha- haven't had some new glasses, and I wear them all the time yeah. in, in quite a few years. So I decided uh, now that we have our insurance, our mutual, um, that I would go and and, uh, and find myself a snazzy pair of uh, lunettes. Now, so you're at the front end of this thing. I'm, I'm going to just basically ask you questions. So did you... When you're going to a glasses place, and of which there are thousands here for some strange reason, so you go in there and you get your eyes done with your prescription uh, in terms of the test. But like, how does the how does our health card and mutual how does that all break down? So the the eye test was was given to me by an optometrist. So and he is not allowed allowed to write a prescription as opposed to. Oh. Ophthalmologist. Very good. Um, <laughs> uh, so he's not allowed to give any kind of medical test, like for glaucoma or any okay. of those things. So um, what they did is they wrote down the the prescription and um, got uh, got me to go to my um, general practitioner mm-hmm. to issue the prescription, which she happily did. So I went back to um, the store to make sure that those were the frames that I wanted, and we kind of adjusted the lenses, and she went through all the costing. And yes, the mutual picks up a good chunk of, of the cost of the mm-hmm. uh, glasses. The carte vitale, so our social security, picks up a very small portion. How much? A total of nine cents. <laughs> Neuf centimes. And... Six, six but, of it? Whoa, whoa, wait, wait. Yeah, okay. Six cents yeah. is for the frame. Okay. <laughs> Three cents is for the lens. But in fairness, uh-huh. nine centime is probably around 10 cents Canadian. I so, know. Okay. Fantastic. So, so you got that going for you. <laughs> so are you really going really to take it in there and get your nine cents? I, uh, yeah. Just out of principle? Out of principle. Now, I think there's a, another... I, I need to n- navigate the system a little bit better. I think there's another way of doing this. Um, and uh, when I have time, I'll, I'll, I'll dig, dig a little hey, deeper. Maybe, maybe you could double it, eh? Maybe 18 something. 18, 19 cents? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be well worth your well worth your effort. Yeah, but I'm looking forward to having my new goggles. All right, looking mm-hmm. forward to seeing them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we were uh, driving back from our day trip uh, yesterday. Oh yeah, that's right. From Auvillard, and we just we went there on on the um, the highway. Yeah. On the 62, and and we decided to try to take the back roads back home. And we're we're driving and it's beautiful and sunny and all of a sudden you you, you say okay I've got to pull out my my lip balm because yeah, your well, lips was, were dry yeah it was very hot and as you said sunny and I had I had some uh, you know dry yeah. lips yeah. yeah so you pulled out your your lip balm mm-hmm. I never noticed the shape that you create <laughs> with the lip balm 
It was like a little. Uh, it's like it's, it's like an arrow. It's like it, it, it's well, it, it's just like this. It's, you know what it is? It's like a nib of a pen. It's n- like the nib, yeah, of a pencil. But it's just pointy. Yeah. Like it's not a flat surface. It's not a. a no. It it's pointy and yeah. right in the middle. Yeah. Like I, I've never seen that yeah. before. Be- because. I like to reduce the amount of time I do anything, and I always analyze what's the fastest way to do something. Uh-huh. And in this case, if you do it that way, you can do both lips at the same time. But do you really get both lips? Yes, you do. Like even the top part of your lip? Well, then you just you smudge your lips like you know, like that, and it's done. Okay. Yeah. No, it's genius. It's well, a, I just, I just thought that was the weirdest thing. Like none of my lipsticks look like that. That's fine. So you you do you? Oh yeah, I know, I know. I'll do. Me. But I was curious. I wanted to know what it meant that you shaped your yeah, your the, lip balm that way. Time saving. Um. Well, it, your personality trait is. Oh jeez, <laughs> you've gone this deep in, into <laughs> into my lip balm. Uh. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll start with you. Have a big ego. Oh, st- based <laughs> on my lip balm. Yeah, <laughs> but you are faithful and a loving friend to have. <laughs> Who comes I up think with that's that? perf. Who comes up with this? I don't know. Crap. But I went. I went through my lipsticks earlier this morning just to see, like, what is the most common shape when, once it gets da- down to a certain level. Well, did you do your personality? Based I did. On, okay. I did. So my shape is concave, and this means that you are adventurous and curious. And you love making new friends. Oh, and no negatives, of course. Julie, zero <laughs> negatives, of course. What did you, wait, what did you wait, wait, omit? What did you omit? <laughs> Nothing. Oh. You are fun and inquisitive. Uh, oh, to, the, <laughs> to say the well, least. Wouldn't you say that's pretty accurate? Well, yeah, you were so ridiculously inquisitive, you went to all this trouble to analyze my lip balm. <laughs> Well, so, I've never seen it look like a little nipple. It was just like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it works. <laughs> but then I had to do it. I asked to borrow it, and I had to use the same technique because I yeah. didn't want to ruin your little nipple. No, I said, I said, don't. I, I, I passed it over to you, and I said, don't change the shape. Do not change the shape of this. <laughs> that is hilarious. Well, anyway, I'm, I'm glad we know our personalities based on the shape of our lip balm. I'll take that to the grave. <laughs> Well, that brings me to the French phrase of the day. The lip balm? Well, lips. Okay. Okay? Okay. So, la grandeur d'un homme est comme sa réputation. The, 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 bigger, uh, the bigger the name? La What? grandeur d'un homme. 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 Oh, homme. Homme. D'un homme. I don't know what homme is. Homme, man. Oh, oh, homme. Homme. Oh, okay. La grandeur d'un homme est comme sa réputation. Bigger the man is the same as the reputation. Elle vit et respire sur les lèvres d'autrui. What's the second part? Elle vit et respire sur les lèvres d'autrui. Uh... It's too much for me. I mean, I, I, there's respiration in there or something. or Oh, yeah, you got to pass it to me because this always helps. Hang on. Okay. Here. So it's, it's in red. Give me it. Okay. Give me it. There you go. Oh, man. Okay. Okay, so what I got, I would have got 
deux noms okay, right okay, away. Okay, okay, fair, fair, fair. Et comme c'est répété, okay. Uh, the bigger the man or the la, big man? La grandeur. La grandeur is a, a noun and it's the, the greatness. The, oh. It, 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 it means... The greatness great. of a man mm -hmm. is like his reputation? That's right. So... The greatness of a man is like it's his reputation. That's what yeah. I just said. Okay. Yeah. Uh, elle vit, uh, respire sur les lèvres de trou. Uh, just, just put me out of my misery here. Okay. It lives and breathes oh. on the lips of others. Oh, so the, so the, the greatness of a man is like his reputation. Mm-hmm. It lives and breathes on the lips of others. Correct. Ah. Nice, eh? Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Uh, yep. And I thought the, the only word you'd probably have an issue with is autrui. Well, it wasn't. <laughs> can, can you hand that back to me, please? Oh, okay. Oh, thank we'll, you. We'll be right back. Be a pet. Talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> Merci. That's a lot of work. Can you just uh, here's a thought for uh -huh. ne for next time and, and print it what, separately and what I've been requesting for the last five weeks? Could you please print it separately? Name three other uses for lip balm. What? Name three other uses for lip balm. <laughs> could it be to shut somebody up? <laughs> no. Is it a Could it be like a little lubricant? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like for like yeah, okay. For like. Yeah, yeah, like as if you're, uh, like soap would be. Exactly. So you, if you have a stuck zipper, yeah, you can okay. use your lip balm. Okay. If you want to hold your brows in place, you can use your lip balm. Your what now? Your brows. It, it's like a, it's like an eyebrow gel. Oh my god. It also helps control itchy bug bites. Does it now? Yeah. Every one of them. Oh, I'm not sure about that. Okay. But you better pick, if you're going to be using it for bug bites, it has to be a lip balm with shea butter. Okay, all very good information <laughs> for everyone to have here. Just uh, just fantastic stuff. I hope we should have probably encouraged you to have a pen and paper with you today for all this uh, terrific information. Are we uh, are we done with the, the lip balm, do you think? Yep. Can we uh, yep. sort of... On tourne, vault, on, vault, tourne, on tourne le coin. Vault into the next topic. Sure. Um, so we, here we are. It's July. We're in the mid, sort of the middle of the summer vacation period where all the tourists are around. And boy, you can sure notice it. Although I, I, I was commenting yesterday that the roads were busier, but they're not. They're still not no. Toronto busy. You know what? If we were in Provence or, you know, the the more tra traveled areas, oh, yes. we would notice, yeah. you know, you wouldn't even be able to get into a restaurant. Well, and, and which again is one of the reasons, and we've covered this on past podcasts, why we chose this area, because it isn't necessarily a tourist destination. Yes, there are reasons to come here, but it's not, as you say, like Provence or Cannes or Monaco or places like that. Saint-Tropez. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, yeah. and there you go. We were right because it isn't that. It's not that busy. You know, you notice it in the grocery stores and uh, and a couple of areas. Uh, one, one of the things we, we noticed, which is not really related to uh, tourism, is right now there's all kinds of activity. We're in an agricultural community. There's all kinds of activity uh, on on the crops, whether they're bringing, like right now they're bringing in the wheat. So they're they're harvesting the wheat. 
they're uh, rolling uh, the hay the and, bales, and the yeah. straw. So th- we do, we have noticed a lot more agricultural traffic on the roads, and you really have to be careful because the roads we have all kinds of button curves here, and you you can come around a corner, and you know if you're speeding, you come around a corner and you are facing down a two lane uh, comb- combine. combine harvester, and if you're not careful, you're you're into that thing. So you. It's just pointless to speed around here. No, I, and, it, and you have to plan for it. If you, you know, if you're scheduling an outing, you have to make some time to make allowances for those big vehicles. Yeah, and because they are slower. Now, typically, if you do have a small road and a big piece of farm equipment, there is someone out in front with a little yellow light yeah. in another vehicle warning you that yeah, there's. It says convoi yeah. agricole, right. meaning you know agricultural convoy. But one of the areas that we are seeing an uptick in tourism is with the restaurants. Mm-hmm. So in Ovillard, we had made a reservation at Le Restaurant de l'Horloge because there's a, a beautiful clock tower Gorgeous. in the village. We will <clears throat> include many pictures of said clock tower and restaurant on the Facebook page at Jeff and Julie Move to France. Which happens to be a historical monument. The, the clock. And so we made reservations and, and we got there on time. We were seated and it was buzzing. It mm-hmm. was busy. And, and you know, the, the, the servers were back and forth, back and forth. And in the time that we were there for about, we we, we luxuriated lunch. And, you know, also service was just a oh, little no, bit. No, we, we didn't luxuriate on purpose. We were just <laughs> waiting for the. And, and I was she, trying to be nice. She, yeah, she was doing her very best, trying to keep good humor. But it, they could have used another server out in our section for sure. Uh, so, yeah, you, you know what? You just roll with the punches. You know me. I just, I just roll with the punches. Yep. And so you were so hangry. <laughs> I was getting a little hungry, just like I am now, just getting a little hungry. Yeah. Anyway, you you were able to, you know, keep your, your, you know, temper under control. And um, and towards, I I would say about 1 o'clock or mm, one fifteen, we started seeing other people come in, pairs, you know, sets of couples, groups. And she nicely had to turn people away probably we counted probably 20 people yep they had to turn away yep because the kitchen was not going to be able to uh, accommodate yeah and there were reservations that she had to honor that's it so that's key if you're if you're traveling in europe during the busy months of july and august make sure that you plan ahead and you reserve for your restaurants i think that's a very wise thing to do in order not to be disappointed and not be hangry yeah, like I mean, if you're in Paris, it's you're probably okay to roam around and find one. And and if you can't find one, there are a million others. But where we were in uh, Ovilar and other smaller communities, you may only have a couple of choices. Like the the other uh, fine restaurant in Avi- uh, Ovilar, how do you how do you say this thing? O- Ovilar. Ovilar. Ovilar was closed for uh for the for the two days uh, the of the week, which they they all kind of alternate their closing times and so there really weren't too many other options no so you know just a couple of other ones closer to the town square but more cafe bistro type Mm -hmm. um anyway we we had a lovely lunch great lunch and then we decided to go 
um, to to do some sightseeing. Yeah, and and as you go through the arch above uh, below the uh, clock tower, and, and then you're into the old part of the of the city. Because actually, at first blush, we're kind of going. This is one of the most beautiful villages in France, but it's the older part of the village, I think, where the uh, yeah. where the classification comes from. And yeah. it was. I think, I think, judging by some of the signs and the the dating of the buildings, this is the oldest place we've been to to date. Yeah. Well, the uh, you know that. The, this was a, a kind of a Roman yeah. uh, town. Romans. <laughs> and it, it wasn't until the, the t- 10th century that they decided to fortify the top part yeah. of the town. And uh, it, it became kind of part of France because of Henry VI in 1589. Yeah, wow. Eh? But there are, there are, it's medieval. It, this, and before. And the structure is stone and brick. Yeah, a, a really, uh, when you check out the Facebook page, you'll notice just really interesting combination of brick and stone, which is very common in our area uh, in, in a number of different, sometimes it's random. In this case, it was planned and it's just beautiful. Yes. And it, this this village was attacked many, many times because it was a very rich village. It was, you know, it's a port village. It's It looks over La Garonne, mm-hmm. which is a, a you know, beautiful river, although a little low right Ooh, now. It's really low. Um, and so, you know, m- merchants would come by boat and bring their wares. And, you know, the, it, it was a very thriving place. So it was attacked and attacked and a hundred years war and so on and so forth. Um, but now it's much calmer, and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, one of its most um, uh, proud characteristics is that they have this great pottery, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's made from the mud and and the the earth from the shores of the Garonne River, mm. and it's quite beautiful. Maybe you can you can put a, a photo of that on the, on Facebook. Um, because it's it's very beautiful and delicate. It's used for for dishes, um, but um, not for flooring because it's too delicate. Oh, I see. So wall decoration fine, plates fine, mm-hmm. mm, flooring not so good. So um, you know that they're very proud of that, and they're very proud of being you know one of France's most beautiful village. I think they got awarded that back in 1994. And we stopped in their tourism bureau. Oh, it it, it uh, had to be the nicest uh, tourism building and most beautifully maintained. They also had an exposition going on in one of the uh, front rooms. It was gorgeous. Beautiful art. And, you know, this guy, young fella, yeah. you know, comes over and he says, oh, um, what would you like to know about our place? And, and and he brought out the brochure and showed us the map of what we can see in the historical monuments that are all located in the old part of the city. And, uh, he, you know, he was very enthused mm-hmm. <laughs> and and proud and then showed us the book that we have, but but a newer version. Oh, of the uh, most beautiful, beautiful villages, villages yeah. in, in France. And I said, oh, well, we can't we can't buy that one because it's it's 2022. And our neighboring village just got its accreditation in 2023. So we're going to wait till the book is complete. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and see which villages have changed. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's now easy to see why Penn finally got uh, acknowledged. Pendejeuner, because uh, we were always wondering, well, well, what's the stickling point? We were told that it was this. Uh, it was a care, hospital care home, elderly. Yeah, that it was just it was not built to the sort of standards of uh, the old 
methods, and it just it, it 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 is kind of an eyesore in the middle of all this beautiful rock and beautiful architecture. But it needed to be overlooked because the views from Penn are just incredible. As with Ovilar, the, as you come to the wall, and uh, I've, I've got a couple of, of pictures of the view. You, you just look down onto the Garonne River. Mm-hmm. There's a beautiful, uh, beautiful chateau on the other side. Yeah, yeah it's wow, just... we drove by that chateau and, on the way home, and then we ended up driving by it on the way home. Yeah, and a bridge, gorgeous bridge. Mm-hmm. Now the funny thing is. Um, of the 60 or so nuclear power plants in France, there's one right outside of uh, Av- Avilar as Ovilar. well. Yeah, Ovilar. You can, you can, it's in sight. Like when we're standing in Ovilar, looking over the Garonne River, we can see it in yeah. the distance. And and you were explaining that, you know, nuclear plants have to be near water. That's my understanding. I think they need, they need a, a constant source of water. They go through a lot of it for cooling. That's my understanding. So... Um, that's why it's there, and uh, then then we you you sort of went down that rabbit hole, and uh, well, how, how does France uh, factor in in terms of most or most, most power plants? Um, it's number two. Number two for nuclear power plants in the world. Yeah. Wow. And um, number one mm-hmm. is the U.S. of A. I would never have said that, but mm-hmm. I, I guess just j- judging by the size of the country but I, you know I just I wouldn't have thought that but yep. I don't know for me it's a clean power it's just uh, for me it's a no-brainer but boy you've got you've got advocates on the other side of that because you can't get rid of, rid of the, the the waste properly blah 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 but there's all you know there's issues with any kind of yeah you know our, our solar panel panel issue solar I mean, panel wind wind kills birds all these things and then gives people headaches gives and people headaches start on fire everybody's there are negatives to almost any power source you know in the world so i don't know for my money uh now the problem with france though is they're all very old and they're going to need to uh and and, and macron has put in place um some initiatives for either renovating or renewing um, these nuclear power sites, but uh, that's way down the road. They take a long time to build. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So anyway, uh, it was a beautiful day. It was a gorgeous sunshine. We enjoyed our stay in Ovila. It's it's situated about 26 kilometers from Agen, right. which is the capital of the Lot-et-Garonne. Right, yeah. It, it was about, ended up being about an hour from here. It wasn't bad at all. No. No, and, and we got to see some some new roads. Yeah, yeah, it was very cool. Yeah, yeah. and you know what? We went by um, a lot of walkers yes. on the way home, mm-hmm. and that's because Ovillard is part of the um, Pil- the Pilgrims' Walk. Is that what they call it? Yeah, the, it's called Chemin de Saint Jacques uh, de Cop- uh, Compostelle. Okay. Compostelle. Is this the one that goes into Spain and around yep. and Portugal and? Yeah, everything ends up in Spain. Uh-huh. But there's a lot of different routes to get there, and it, I, I didn't really have that much time to look into it further. But I, I'm going to because I'm pretty fascinated by the whole thing and, and all the UNESCO sites mm-hmm. that are on this chemin. Okay. So um, we'll maybe we'll look into that. Yeah, yeah, we'll look into that. Um, we were out for dinner the other night with some friends of ours, and we're just astounded. They had their grandkids, uh, their son and their grandkids over. And uh, the, the son has moved up to Sweden. And so these kids are just 
linguistic sponges. And I, I felt at one point that we were in the middle of a UN conference <laughs> because these the, these little kids, uh, the one girl uh, speaking French, Swedish, English. Uh, the eldest boy has been living in Germany. Only 13. And he speaks German, English, and French and will now be learning Swedish. And then the really little little fella, he's only, he's only been exposed to Sweden, so he only speaks Swedish. Yep. It was just amazing to me. And the difference in the sound of... The, uh, to, to hear uh, the little girl go from French to Swedish, the difference in the sounds is incredible, mm-hmm. as, as you can appreciate. Yeah. But, you know, when you're young, you're a sponge and you just absorb all those things. I mean, for me, being bilingual was it wasn't an effort because I was just a little kid. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I remember I actually remember the day that I understood English. You do, huh? I do. I, I was I was at the Little Cherubs. Okay. <laughs> My pre-nursery school. Okay. And I, I the light went off. It's like I, I understand you people now. That that it's a different language and you you pick it up. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. I I was just doing a little research here about um uh language in Europe versus language in not necessarily North America. I wanted to sort of separate it out between the States and Canada, because I thought, oh, there's going to be a huge difference between Canada and the United States. Boy, was I wrong. But um, what I love about Europe, and this was a great example the other night, 56% of Europeans can converse in two or more languages. And uh, there's actually an initiative. uh, It works out to uh, that the established average is about 2.32 languages spoken per inhabitant, and they're trying to get that up to three by 2025. Uh. And they, they say that's going to be a daunting uh, effort, but that's what they're trying to do. And the, the kids are really pulling their weight. They just have, you know, uh, th- th- there's there's no fear. And their learning capacity is just, we, we have all these bad habits, right? But the, but yeah. the kids just go at it. And uh, some of the uh, Nordic and Baltic countries are really going to help this out, especially places like Luxembourg, which has three national languages, I guess because of the proximity uh, yeah, yeah. to Germany and France. But they have, you know, German, Fran- French, and English as their three languages. But uh, along with Luxembourg, the Nordic and Baltic countries, Malta, they are exceeding the average uh, and uh, more than 90% of their population speak at least one foreign language. So huh. that's kind of cool. But uh, I was a little disappointed with uh, with Canada here. I really was because I thought we would just be lapping the United States, but it's actually about the same. It's very close. According to the U.S. Census Bureau, 20% of Americans can converse in two more languages as opposed to 56% of Europeans. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's only 21% here in Canada. And... Um, uh, the actual French numbers are dropping. They are going down, 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 down. The Asian numbers are going up, and I think that's largely due to the, you know, the new Canadians. But uh, I just found it kind of interesting. Seventy-five percent of Canada speaks English. Twenty-two percent only speaks French. And um, well, considering that f- that really there's only one French-speaking province. I know, but we're out of ten. We're a bilingual country, right? And it's just yeah. not. It just doesn't seem to be translating. And I'm wondering, like, is there, like, is there a resistance to culture in Canada and the United States? Like, is there a resistance to, oh, I'm not going to learn metric. Oh, I'm not going to learn French if I don't have to. And. And maybe I'm as guilty as the next guy uh, to that 
attitude, which I no longer have, because when you see how it works here and how it unravels and how everybody's just like, oh, wow, I get to learn a new – I'm moving to Sweden. I get to learn a new language or uh, or this is available. Now, I know the proximity of the countries is, is closer and I, I understand all that. Uh, but it's, it just seems to be a completely different attitude towards learning new languages here. It could be. It could be. But you're doing, you're doing really well. It's coming along. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. it's so slow and and as i mentioned you know we have as older folks we have all these you know bad habits and and we know Fears. it's not yeah it's not fear I, I i don't have a fear about it i i i'm really trying to learn it it's just it's it's just difficult and and you know when you when you're with one language for as long as i i have been then learning another one is is certainly more difficult than if you're six years old right. and you're learning another language. Right. Well, you know, the the son at, at dinner the other night was saying that Swedish was way easier than French. Yeah, well, everything's easier than French. I really <laughs> picked a beauty, didn't I? You did. Hey, you gotta tell us you got you gotta <laughs> tell this story, this this article before we go here today. You gotta tell us about this uh okay. this dog thing. Well, first let me preface it by saying that France has always had a bad reputation with poopage. Okay, and just let me interrupt one one second. J- having just come back from Paris and knowing that in the past, and I'm talking thirty years ago. Uh, Paris had a horrible reputation for their dogs just pooping everywhere. It they have cleaned it up. Whatever the reasons, however they've done it, you don't see dog poop anywhere. At least where we were in Paris. Yeah. So there's one um, village in in France that's trying out a new program. It's it's Bézier, <laughs> which is uh, east of us. Bézier. Yeah. So yeah. is is it a Mediterranean? Yes. Yeah. Close. Okay. Yeah. And uh, so apparently they have this horrible problem and and the city or the, the town staff are, are taking away thousands of poops, you know, it, it's it, clearly it, it's a problem. It's a problem. So the mayor decided to implement a program and every dog that lives in Bézier has to give their DNA. <laughs> So it could be with a swab, it could be with whatever, but then it goes on file. So, moving ahead, if poopage, uh-huh. or as they say in French, crut, crut. Is, is is found, the droppings are sent to a lab. <laughs> oh my God. DNA tested, and the owner receives... Uh, I think it's a 122 euro fine. Dog, I don't know if that covers the cost of the lab, but <laughs> dog poop DNA. Dog poop DNA. They've got signs all over the place, you know, saying you, 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 your dog can't do it himself. Do it for him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so they're they're putting this into into play. They've tried this. I think it was in Valencia, Spain. Okay. Uh, a, a little while ago, and. Poopage droppings declined by ninety percent, and I think you know it's probably one of these things where once they uh, uh, once they put into place this this program and fine a few people, mm-hmm. then everybody else just kind of okay. I don't want to be a part of that. It's embar- first of all, it's embarrassing. Yeah, especially I mean, <laughs> wouldn't it be great if they put it in the the local newspaper? Hey, 
you know, Guy Gadois was fined, <laughs> you know, 2,500 bucks because he has four dogs and all of their DNA was found on Main Street. You know, you don't want that. Imagine receiving that in the mailbox. Oh, I know. Like, it's just. Your dog. <laughs> your dog. <laughs> and also in, in that, uh, that village, you're going to have to carry around a pass. Um, that that identifies no that identifies that you are allowed to have this dog and that he he or she is DNA registered. So is that pass? Do you keep that next to your garbage pass, which is next to your <laughs> carte vitale, carte vitale <laughs> pass, which is next to that yellow sticker on your car, which allows you to go into the certain cities at certain times? Oh my God! The administration of this place is mind numbing, folks. Mind numbing. <laughs> Anyway, it it will be very interesting to see what the results are once this program gets pooped into place. Oh, very good. I see what you did there. The dog poop database. (laughs) Be a part of it. Or pay the price. (laughs) All right. So Julie has been uh, reminding me and then re-reminding me several times that we have a truffle farm just down the road and that they conduct tours. I think the reason that I, I'm just not crazy about truffles, so like I a, lot, truffles. a lot of people are. I know, I know. But maybe that's something we should cross off our list, even if it's just to eliminate the constant badgering about the truffle farm. So uh, let's see how the cards play out for Chapter 77 next week. And I also want to talk a little bit more about um, Le Chemin de Saint-Jacques de Compostelle because it's, it's pretty fascinating. 930 kilometers uh, across Europe, uh, spanning several countries. So, the, walk, the walking trails. The walking trails. Right. And, All right. You know, um, there's, there are guidelines, and, and uh, I, I want to find out a little bit more about that. All right. We'll get into it all next week on Chapter 77. A bientôt. Au revoir.